Hello and welcome to PMU Unfiltered. If you're not sure what you're listening to, this is a permanent makeup pod and video cast. Yeah, that's right. We're out here tattooing people's faces. So if you're new to the industry, if you're a veteran to the industry, come with me on my journey through permanent makeup because we're keeping it real, we're keeping it raw, and most of all, we're keeping this PMU unfiltered. Welcome back to PMU Unfiltered. I'm your host, Marlo, and today I have another forum dive for you because why not? These forums are forever giving me content and I think they can help peel apart your business problems and the things that you need help with or maybe answer a question before you even knew you had it. So let's get to it. I don't want to make this too long because my last forum dive was lengthy, but you know, you're, you're happy to see me. I have to say, I feel like our relationship is getting more and more intimate. You're in my bedroom right now. If you're driving, you're listening to my podcast. Hey, hi, how are you? But if you are wanting to watch my video cast, it's on my YouTube channel at Marlo Cosmetic Tattoo, and that's where you can find me. Mm, kisses to you. And you can see my mug and my bedroom and... I'm doing a sexy pose right now. Mmm, I actually shaved my legs today, so this is what my shaved leg, leg looks like. How about that? And I've also cleaned this little corner of my bedroom so we can be here together in my clean bedroom. And this is far more information than anyone ever needed to know about me. All right, guys, you know the deal. Let's get to it. And we're going to talk about some things. And then if you were watching this on my video cast, which I highly recommend going to my YouTube channel, and don't forget to subscribe because subscribing is free. And that's how you're going to find out more about when I post things. Please, even if you're listening to the podcast, just subscribe to it. That's how you're going to know that a new one came out and you don't have to look around for it. And it just like pops up on your Spotify or your Apple podcast or even like your YouTube channel, even if you never look at it, that at least I'll be there. I'll be there. I'll be there. Too much. All right, all right. I swear I only had one cup of coffee today. I'm just like jazzed on getting back into the podcast. And I don't know, summer just gets me feeling zesty. I feel good. I like the heat. I don't know why I live in New York if I like the heat so much. But, you know, I love New York. I think my love for New York trumps liking the heat. It has been really quite humid here, though. You know, I'm just like standing on the subway and my nipples are just like dripping in sweat. Oh my, I'm really TMI today. But welcome to New York in the summer. We've been waiting for you. It's fucking hell. It's seriously, the streets smell like piss and um, it's just ripping hot. All right, let's get to the forum. Let's get to it. Okay. I'm looking at this lip blush. We're going to learn a little bit about lip blush right now and why um, a dark lip neutralizations are very stressful and dark lip neutral neutralizations are, really should be performed by someone who's confident in what they're already doing with lip blushing because the more lip blush you do, the more you're going to understand your technique, your saturation, how different pigments work better, fade over time. And uh, we can talk a little bit about like fading pigments. That's that's interesting because I've been watching my work on my friends, my clients, and I like seeing my daily work in front of me. Um, I, I can think of a few friends and family that I've used certain types of pigments and how they've yielded over the years and every time I see them. And I have my thoughts and opinions, for sure. Um, yeah, but let's get to this particular question. We're talking about dark lip neutralization right now. And again, as always, if you're listening in the car, I'm going to try to be as articulate as possible so you can mentally get to where we are visually on the YouTube channel. Here we go. 
Okay, I have an issue. I have not had come up before. I did this lip client a few weeks ago. She's from Singapore. Her lips didn't have any dark pigment that needed color correction first, in my opinion. But this happened two weeks later. Any idea what's going on? First photo is straight after the first session and the second is two weeks later. I'm, I'm looking at these lips and they look like pink. I, I wouldn't say this definitely falls into the dark lip neutralization category like out of the gate because I don't see like deep brown tones in her like regular like plain virgin lip pick. I actually really like dislike this person's mapping to be honest. They just did like a surgical dot marker outline and then like a really light I don't know. It's just not precise enough for me. I, I really, really prefer to work much more precise. This is not precise enough for me, but that's not why we're here. I'm looking at this and I'm like, mm, I see a little bit of brown tone, just a, little, just a little bit in the lip. And also she's from Singapore. Not that that means anything, but I do know that she is from like South Southern Asian country. And this is when I do start to see a little brown tone in the lip, a little brown tone in the lip. And she didn't do a dark lip neutralization. They are not dark lips. They're hardly even semi-neutralization. But she still puts a good color that has um, some orangey depth to it. This is my takeaway. See, this is why we have these conversations with PMU Unfiltered and I go into the forums and, but there's more knowledge to our discussions than just analyzing a photo. They bring up a lot of ideas and avenues and other discussions within the, you know, there's so much depth to permanent makeup, no pun intended, all right, a little punny. We need to look at the entirety. With any type of lip pigmentation, I really do like now. This is all after my own mistakes, my own experiences, well, I don't even have to call them mistakes. I do think that it is really great to Pop a little bit of peach into every color that you're doing. Just a little, pop, a little pop. That's it. A little bit of orange tone, despite how mauve and nude any client ever wants their lips, you need the warmth. Warmth is going to keep any type of pigment from ashing out. Pop a little peach in there and it's going to really save you in the long run. It's very important to have a, a little extra added warmth in there because those mauve tones have more carbon in it. It's okay to have a little bit of carbon to make different colors. This is how pigments are made. But we have to understand that there's light fastness involved. There's a lot of direct sunlight hitting the face and that is going to affect the lip pigmentation over the years to come. Getting back to this image here that we're looking at. So now we have the lips that are done. I like this nudie color. It's very pretty on her. Um, I wonder almost for this client if it was too nude because I feel like most of my South Asian clients are a little more interested in a little bit more color. They wear a little bit more reds, but still, regardless, I think this is nice. Now we look next to it as two weeks into healing and the lips have become scary. They've become blue. They look like they should be a dark lip neutralization. It makes no sense. Why are these lips blue? It is because this client has more melanin in their skin. And because the client has more melanin in their skin, they're gonna have this type of reaction to the healing process. Temporary flare-ups of post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation is very common in FITS 5-6, but also 4-5-6. 
this is why when you are dealing with people that have I'm even gonna I'll, I'll lump in the three three four five six fits when there's more melanin present in the skin this can happen you are going to see a lot more blue lip and honestly it really scares the client because they got the lips done immediately after the lips weren't dark to begin with so they're not even like reverting back to the original color because I have some very dark 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 lip neutralization clients that are like nothing stayed but that's not true they need to heal at around eight weeks we have to be able to communicate this properly with our clients because if we don't communicate that properly with the clients we don't set correct expectations they're going to be out there running their mouth for eight weeks talking about how unhappy they are with their lip pigmentation and you do not want that to be the hot topic of brunch and going out calling all their friends out, oh because they were excited before they came to see came for your procedure they definitely told some people those people are going to follow up and now we have what looks like a disaster, but hang tight. She's only two weeks. This is so common for a temporary flare of hyperpigmentation, and it will go away. If you do the job correctly, you implant the color correctly, it, it's a very blooming type process. Week two, the borders of the lip get really defined, or maybe some certain chunks look darker than others in certain areas. By week three, week four, in fits one, fits two, they should really be settling to the pigment. The color has reached some weird points. It's dipped, it's disappeared, it's coming back. It might be a little patchy. And then around, it's a little bit of a roller coaster. So emotionally, physically, artistically, do expect even the easier cases of fits one, fits two to go through a blooming period. But for the hyperpigmentation, semi-hyperpigmentation, dark lip, semi-dark lip neutralization, it's going to be a journey for the client. If you set the expectation correctly, but some people do experience a little bit of a, a darkening of the lip before all of that skin relaxes and is not inflamed anymore and the color settles and the lips will be so beautiful. But please stay in touch. You're not bothering me if you hit me up. I'm here to remind you that everything is okay. So feel free to reach out to me, okay? Now, I do say that to some clients, especially when this potential is going to be happening, right? Do I say it to my really, 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 really annoying clients? Yes, yeah, sometimes I do. I want them to know that I'm there for them. I, I've, I've also had lip pigmentations that you know, we've been working on color shifting since since they came back from the healed results. Not proud of it. I do want to know what's going on with my work. So I will say to them, questions, something's weird, funky. You, you don't know if you need a touch up. Maybe we do another session to like adjust the color a little bit. Do not feel like you're bothering me. Please just hit me up. And when I, when I say that, I mean it. Do I say it to everyone? No. Most people on the other side of things, when I'm, I'm really just predicting a very seamless lip session, seamless healing, upsell to upsell touch-up. I want someone walking around with my perfect work. This is how I sell, make sure the touch-up's on the calendar. Are we gonna do a touch-up in like four to six weeks, schedule pending? And they're like, oh, do you think I need it? I go, look, almost everyone takes advantage of the touch-up. So then you get to walk around with the most perfect, beautiful work 
for almost two, three years, lip blush lasts a very long time. Let's put the touch up on the calendar. I have a feeling you're gonna want it. Little color adjustments, a little da -da 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 -da. Everyone has a little something. They get very obsessed with it. I wanna make sure that you're obsessed with it and happy for two, three years. If for some reason you feel like you absolutely can't imagine a single thing that I would do, if you're gonna cancel, please just cancel like maybe like a, a, like a few days before so I could fill the slot for someone else. I think you're gonna be someone that wants to come back in for the touch-up. And you know what? They always come back in for the touch-up. I'm serious. That is a little education on how to make sure your clients are coming back for the touch-up. You know, you just like click into a little spot in their head that you want them to have the most perfect work. It's very genuine, right? How to set expectations correctly with your clients in the healing journey. Using nice sales performing words. Lastly, being able to define where a client falls on the fit scale for their lip pigmentation, mentally preparing them for the number of touch-ups that they're gonna need. Because when you have very, 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 very dark lips up in here, some of my Indian clients, very, very, very dark lips, dark corners, we hang tight. When you want something bad enough, that person will understand everything is a process and it will take a lot of steps and they know how much that dark lip has bothered them over the years that they will do whatever it takes as long as you bring an expertise to the table and they trust you. All right, on to the next one. My favorite, Tiny Tattoo Forums Gone Rogue. You guys know I have been doing some body tattoo lately and I know a lot of other permanent makeup artists are th dabbling in the thought, starting to practice. You're practicing on latex and pulling lines and making squares and circles and really basic shapes, right? Uh-huh. Just because we're not tattooing people's faces anymore doesn't take away from the permanency of it. Also, when you do good work, you will get more clients because especially with body tattoo, if someone sees something that's really cute and absolutely amazing, their friends are gonna want something really cute and absolutely amazing. And it is, I'm not gonna lie, it's a great service to be able to provide. I feel more artistic. I feel much more freedom. The permanent makeup has made me, um, I love it and I see the art in it, but I'm too curious of a person and I am an artist at heart. So I needed to fill that cup a little bit more. I've been exploring tiny tattooing with apprenticeship, just for like an essence of perspective, I have been tattooing for over a year now and I've just started to charge people a month ago. And when I tell you I'm charging people, it is a sneeze, a joke at the cost that I am charging people for tattoos. I have remained humble in this experience and I'm open to learning my apprenticeship has kept me humble. I've worked with my brother-in-law. I've worked with someone who is in my studio renting from me, who is a fucking godsend. I don't know where this man came from. Well, I know he came from Korea, but he's so talented and kind and has become an amazing opportunity for me. So the things that I tell you about tattooing is not stuff I've, I've found out on my own. It's stuff that I've taken from my mentor. Like, I am giving you actual advice from a mentor. This isn't me like stumbling through the system, like making shit up, you know? Yeah, when I look at these tiny tattoo forums, it kind of bothers me. Here's a little bit of tattoo language. There's something called a kitchen scratcher. So what's a kitchen scratcher? And very similar in PMU as well, but we, we don't use some of the language. So a kitchen scratcher is an artist that's kind of gone rogue and just working at home without any foundation and self-taught. If you don't even know how to use Procreate, 
don't even know how to draw a, a fun little doodle while you're on the phone, I don't think you should be picking up a tattoo machine and just being like, oh, it's just a stencil. I'm just going to copy because that's fucked up, guys, you know, and, and that's just like my opinion on it. And I think that's really um, an ethical place to come from. Again, this tiny tattoo forum is it's weird because I know a lot of the people in this forum bought the like little quickie online course, which is valuable. I think it's great to like accelerate you. If you're a permanent makeup artist, you have bloodborne pathogen, you understand sanitation, you know how to hold a machine. A machine is a part of you. You've already been doing permanent makeup, but like these people are not watching this. You're watching this because you're a permanent makeup artist. You love what you do or you're practicing to love permanent makeup and you're, o you're open to this new experience. And I don't think you should jump into tiny tattooing also. Focus on one thing, get good at it, get good enough at it, and then add another tool to your belt, you know, like lip blushing, eyeliner, little tiny tats. The more I keep talking about this forum, the more I'm, I'm just like frustrated with, with what I think are some permanent makeup artists just not taking it seriously. You entered this industry, you want clients and you want to be taken seriously. You want people to respect your time. You want people to respect your policies. You want people to respect uh, your mapping and shapes and, and color choices. And then, and then you want to move to tattoo work and not listen to what other people think and like be like, oh, I'll just, I'll just give it a whirl. No, it takes practice and more education. And then you move to people's bodies. I, I feel like the word ignorant is a very rude word, but it, it is the correct word. The ignorance of people not understanding how to tattoo. Okay. So without further ado, let's get to this tiny tattoo question. I'll tell you what the right answer is. I'll tell you what one of the right answers are. And I'll tell you also what the wrong fucking answer is. All right. Hey guys. Um, can I just talk about aftercare, please? When I was going through the course online, I'm sure it said, take the second skin off after four hours. Was the tattoo gently with green soap and apply aftercare? Is this not correct? I can see some of you saying three to four days to leave the second skin on. Now, there are a few school of thought processes when it comes to wrapping tattoos for aftercare. We don't use this product in permanent makeup because I'm not going to put like a big clear band-aid on someone's eyebrows or lips or eyeliner. It's weird. So, you know, we do have to make sure we educate our clients to not touch their shit after they get their brows done. And we have to explain it is beauty, but this is also an open wound. Again, there is language that we can use when we're talking about permanent makeup. So by telling someone it's an open wound, they're almost like, oh, you know, and I, I think yeah, there's like kind of like a, an ick to it, but also it brings a seriousness to, in my case, I tell people, don't go take the subway home, touch the subway pole, touch your brows, right? Don't go open door handles and touch your brows. Don't go take money out of the bank and touch your brows. Like, please, it is an open wound. We have to keep them clean. I say these things to my clients and it clicks. It makes sense. They're just a little reminder. You know, people have their own habits when they go out and do their, do their shit for the day. If you are getting into tattooing, I highly recommend going and getting tattooed, not by yourself, not by a friend, but at a shop to have the experience to watch someone set the station up, to go through the stencil placing process, to actually feel the depth of what a tattoo is going to be like. 
I recommend getting a tattoo. I didn't get my first tattoos till I was 34. I get to wear work that I love and I don't have like any crappy shit on me, which is, you know, really great. I can't believe I waited this long. Learning the process of getting a tattoo has made me a better tattoo artist and also has made me more confident in giving people tattoos, not only for all the things I just listed above, but also looking like someone who fucking likes tattoos. You know what I'm saying? I know I have a lot of big work on me. I plan on getting more, but you can get some tiny stuff and it could be meaningful or not because tattooing is fun and it's art and we are artists. Let's get to what I like for tattoo aftercare in my studio, which I have been taught by both of my mentors and it's been the same advice both times. I ask the clients to leave the skin on for five days. Once you are done with the tattoo, you've cleaned the tattoo off with green soap, right? You've taken off all the sloppy ink all over the place. There isn't any more black left on the skin and you've cleaned the tattoo off with green soap. Let the redness reduce a little bit. Have that client just, you know, let that tattoo breathe. It's going to keep oozing. We know this. We know that the plasma in the lymph will be coming out after you know a few minutes maybe just give it one more green soap wipe a, a soap like not too soapy but just you know one more wipe make sure all that plasma is gone and off now this is the controversial part i have had this done to me and it's a little zesty a little spicy but it works better in the long run because i didn't have any issues with my second skin when I got this very big piece done here on my arm. Now, what I want you to do before you put the recovery on is wipe the tattoo with alcohol. Yeah, a little spicy, a little zesty, a little, you know, whoa, are you with us? Yeah, but if I can handle it for this, someone can handle it for the dainty little things that we're doing here. Not only is the alcohol gonna make sure that that tattoo is gonna be under a wrap for five days, this is what I like, for five days with no bacteria in it, but the wrap is going to stick to the, the skin much better and be able to last five days maybe three or four and then they can sleep in their bed and not worry about you know their sheets getting like ink on it and shit like that so i like it i think it's good oh this is from aubrey the woman who runs the um tiny tattoo course she's making a lot of money uh, god bless her honestly and she's right as well there's no one size fits all answer a tiny tattoo doesn't even need a bandage but it's going to touch clothing or they're going to go back to work or something i put one on a heavily shaded tattoo will have a bandage filled with fluid in no time. No one wants nasty things that stays on for days. Some people want to leave bandage on for multiple days and it helps with their retention. It won't hurt. And some people get rashes from them easily. So basically you can use your judgment. Ask the client if they want one. Generally tell them to remove it the next day. Um, okay, let's talk in the essence of tiny tattoos. 24 hours is okay. It's not gonna be like gross and oozy, but if you're gonna be doing a lot of shading, you're gonna get a, like an ink sack. This is what we should not be doing, which was recommended in the forums. Annoyed. Ready? I don't cover mine at all, unless they're bleeding. I put wound gel on it, it's fine. A good healing tattoo ointment. Of course I can't even help myself and I click on this woman's profile and I just dig deeper and deeper and deeper into the situation and I'm like, oh, she must be a fucking expert 
to be telling people not to wrap their tattoos and putting wound healing gel on people. Rewriting tattooing, just like that. Uh, so she's an esthetician who started tattooing like, uh, I mean, like fucking yesterday practically. And she's writing her own rules. Amazing, amazing. Uh, don't recommend, don't recommend. So bottom line is, is finish your tattoos with alcohol. Definitely put some type of wrapping on it, of course. And 24 hours is fine. If they want to take it off, a gentle, gentle wash in the shower or like a little bit of Cetaphil, fine. If they want to leave it on for five days, also fine. Uh, do just to know because Audrey, the owner, reminded me here. Some people have a reaction to the adhesive on these... Um, these like large stickers. So if, if your client is having a little mild allergic reaction to the adhesive, then tell them to take it off. Um, it happens and it will go away and the skin will recover. So just uh, if your client does have a reaction, make that a part of the aftercare. Just be like, hey, if you notice there's any redness around the tattoo, um, just take, the, take it off. It's just a mild adhesive reaction and wash the tattoo clean. That's it, that's it. Really, there's so much out there for aftercare and um, putting wound healing gel on it or, you know, just making up your own rules, mm, that ain't the case. Okay, and lastly, we're gonna wrap this up with a little bit of business advice, a little bit of um, mental mind mindfulness, mental state of mind, I'm a uh, mental nut house. No, I'm just kidding. We're, but, you know, just a mental headspace for being a business owner, right? So here we go. How would y'all handle a situation with your client paid her deposit? They received a text to confirm their appointment and they didn't confirm. You send them a second reminder once again and still no reply. Would y'all make the drive? I live 20 to 30 minutes away from work, sometimes even an hour with traffic. Would y'all show up? Do they lose the deposit? Would you ask them to make another deposit? This particular client has changed her appointment once 15 hours before and her appointment is tomorrow and she is yet to confirm what's y'all's advice oh my god that's so much y'all in i i just i don't know where this person is from but they're definitely not from where i'm from that's for freaking sure but i love it i love it i love just like all these people from all over the place it's really great the clients pay the deposit she has a booking system that sends out a confirmation text she has a second one that goes out for the confirmation text and the client seems to be a little bit flaky because they've already canceled once before 15 hours in advance maybe it was the night before maybe it was the same day who, who, who i don't know the question is what happens when the client doesn't show up does she go to work and let's go go through it first as is it worth a 20 minute drive you probably have a busy schedule and we're all trying to fill parts of our lives up with um, other things that we need to do, especially because we're appointment based only. The answer is yes. You take the 20 minute 30 drive to work. It can be frustrating. I take public transportation to work on the subway. I walk to the subway. I make a transfer to another subway and then I walk over to work. When I'm in this situation, I always choose to show up to work when I haven't heard from the client. And yeah, I kind of do get a sense of when I'm gonna get ghosted. But when I'm there, I wait to set my tray up so I'm not using those materials and wasting those materials. Or I'll set my tray up, I won't pour any of my pigments and I won't pour any of my expirable materials like pigments and numbing gel. If the client doesn't show up, what I do is I just take plastic wrap 
and I cover my station so it doesn't get dusty over the next day and I can reuse my station and that's fine. What's gonna happen when you go into the studio and she no shows you? You now have time to work on your business. So I recommend those three hours that you allotted for the client make a real practice whip shading. You have now allotted time to work on your business, inside your business. Clean and organize your drawers if you've been, you know, kind of delaying that. Get another practice in. You, you, you've been meaning to try Nano and you want to do some strokes with Nano. Like there's just something to do. That time that you saved for somebody else, you can use it to your benefit. I'm here doing this podcast. I don't make money off of this. No one's paying me to do this. Not financially lucrative at all for me, but I do it because it serves me creatively and I know I'm helping people and not all things that we do as small business owners and entrepreneurs is going to be transactional. So there's something you can do in that time if the client doesn't show up. Then secondly, as for the deposit, uh, yeah, if the client doesn't show up, but sorry, bae, you didn't communicate with me and yes, you'll lose the deposit. Sometimes I'm a little soft. It kind of depends on people's situations. Like if someone's like, yeah, I got COVID and I'm like, dude, why didn't you tell me yesterday? And she's like, I don't know. I just woke up and my throat is full of razor blades. I have to go to the doctor. I'm like, all right, well, I'm not going to perform lip blush on them, you know? And I do have a really good relationship with my clients because of them seeing who I am on Instagram. So again, these are a lot of the bigger questions that come out of these small, these, understand that. Theory. These are bigger business problems that we're solving within just one question, which is why we come to PMU Unfiltered. That's my two cents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys know I like a quick wrap. Don't forget to subscribe, please. It's so important for you guys to subscribe so I know that like this is going somewhere. I'm doing this for something, for someone, you know, like, like I don't need to hear my own advice. I, you know, I take that back. Maybe I do sometimes, but Please subscribe, comment down below, send me a DM. I, I get messages from you guys and I really like it. It motivates me. Like, subscribe, share with your new permanent makeup friends. That's what's up. This is PMU Unfiltered because we're keeping it raw, we're keeping it real, and we're keeping this unfiltered. Too much? Always. Bye, guys.